Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. We're recording live across Facebook, Twitter and YouTube this evening. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined by Matt Kendrick. Um, it's nine o'clock, Aston Villa lost 4-0 to Tottenham Hotspur today. And it's pretty grim, wasn't it? But it, it was a weird game, it's certainly a game of two halves. And we'll try and digest it as best we can in the next 30 minutes or so. But first of all, Matt, I know you've got back later than expected due to traffic chaos. So how are you? Are you okay? All right, yeah, I've just been uh, I needed the high vis jacket. I've just had to, my dad drove today, I just had to get out of his car. What we thought was our usual shortcut to get away, get away quickly, 15 minutes walk away from Villa Park, kind of backfired because it was actually those roadworks that had blocked it off at the end, but we didn't yeah. know until we got there. So there was a big, I won't bore you with all this, but a big line of cars who all had to kind of do little kind of U-turns in the in the most confined of spaces. So, uh, but yeah, that was just just what we needed after a really a really unfulfilling afternoon or evening. Mm. Today, you know, it's just there are lots of good things as we know, um, but this habit of conceding goals early in halves, yeah, it just, it just makes it. When I say makes it easy for teams, Spurs didn't have it easy for half an hour of the first half today. Villa, Villa kind of battered the door down and probably should have, should have scored two or three or four goals. But when you do concede so easy, so early like that in both halves, Spurs didn't need. To come out, then they didn't need to leave any spaces spaces behind, so they could just keep doing it. They could just keep coming and getting us on the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's you know, it's the obvious one, the obvious thing to note, and everybody's saying the same. You change change the strike forces around today, and we win that game quite convincingly because you know I just tweeted that it, it, I find it really impossible to dislike Son, even though he kind of breaks my heart so often. He's such a brilliant player, so clinical. He's had three, three, three chances and three, three half chances. You could argue three devastating finishes. To yeah. be honest, um, and you know, and I don't want to, don't want to dig out Ollie Watkins and, and and Danny Ings too much, but for the for Son's second goal, the one that's the Harry Harry Kane flick on, and he's just galloped into space straight down the middle of Villa's defence. You know he's going to score that. You know he's going to have mm-hmm. the pace to get there first and you know he's going to tuck it away. I'd say with Watkins and Ings this season, you'd bat them to score that one in three, one in four. Yeah, that's, maybe. That's the difference. Um, that's why Spurs are in the higher echelons in the Premier League going for, um, you know, now, now stolen a march in the race for the for the top four and why Aston Villa... I've lost four four games on the spin, and we're all uh, all miserable on Saturday night. Yeah, I said the same thing in the stadium. As of right now, you say that you know Ings and Watkins maybe one in three. 
if that if that exact same move happens and McGinn plays through Watkins or Bailey or Ings or Ben Buendia, Coutinho, whoever, I don't back any of our players to score from that position because they have too much time to think. They don't know which way to go. There's too much pressure. They're running towards uh, whichever end it is. I don't back any of our players to score the chances that Son scored today. And it's simplistic to say if you swap Harry Kane and Son into the Villa side, we do win that. But chances we made in that first half, I've seen a couple of stats. Um, I think it was that we created seven shots on target in the first half without scoring. And that's the first time anyone in the Premier League has done that this season. And also something along the lines that a Tottenham goalkeeper hasn't made as many saves as that in a half since 2012 or some random random year. Um so on, an, on another day with better finishers, we're three and up, three and up at half time against a side that's chasing for top four. And it's a totally yeah. different game, than, isn't it? It's just simply about finishing in that first half, and that, that's the frustrating thing. Before you get to how bad the second half was, finish the game in the first half, and it, it, you move on to the next one. That's it, sorted. Yeah, well, if I've actually had a grasp of what expected goals really was, I should imagine <laughs> it. Was, I should imagine it was through the roof. Um, I think it's some something like one point eight for us and point eight for them or something. So basically, that's saying the chances we had were worth one point eight of a goal. So we should have won that game one point eight to eight. I think is my rough rough guess of it. We could have scored almost two goals with the quality of chances that we had, um, and we, we did have good chances to be fair. So you know, it's frustrating. Um, it's just. Just rubbish, isn't it? This is this is what the rest of the season will be now. I think just bits and pieces here and there, some positives, some negatives. We'll win a couple, lose a few more, and that'll be it. Eight more games on the beach, or seven more games. Yeah, I just think we're all in this kind of frustrating state of limbo now. We're all thinking, yeah. okay, we know that this is what this season is, and you know, if we're being honest, it's a season when lost Jack Grealish, lost Dean Smith. You know, there's been a flurry of to live. Well, not quite, but there's been a, <laughs> been a, a lot of changes. It probably are still about par for where we where we should be or could be. You know, we've flirted with higher. We've shown that on our day we can we can we can play 45 minutes of really good football. Um, but we're in this place now where it's we almost need. <laughs> you know, we need to fast forward, don't we? I'd love to see what we like in October. Because I think I think the squad's going to have a different feel to it. Um, but whereas after the Southampton win, we'd be looking forward to next October with a real excitement. You know, look at this. You know, look at the the, the ingredients we've we've already got to to really kick on. Now we're four games, forty feet on the spin. We're all thinking. You know, we're all questioning Gerard. Is it any better than it was under Smith? You know, two of our two of our prize jewels. In perhaps Watkins and, and Esri Konsaru, you know, hands off Arsenal, hands off Liverpool. Now everybody's thinking, oh, we de- we desperately need an upgrade on these, and it just it, it's just fallen flat at a at a, mm. at a really horrible time. Um, and like I said, unfulfilling is the word for me because even if we'd have lost that game, you know, I'd much rather have lost it. Obviously, I'd much rather have lost it three two, and you know, had had a couple of moments to really celebrate because. I thought we were hammering down the door so well. And I thought the intensity after we conceded that goal it took us 10 minutes to get into the game, but the thought the intensity was brilliant. You know, mm. tackles actually flying in. Um, yeah. You know, it was <laughs> maybe people rolling around the pitch at one stage. There seemed to be, you know, a bit of collateral damage from some of the tackles with, with people perhaps, you know, 
over over exaggerating how much in pain they were. But I just thought it was a real kind of like I said, re- the real intensity. And you thought, well, the na- the the naive football fan inside, you thought, wow, second half, we're going to come out and absolutely kind of force our way back into this game, where that little voice in the back of your head said. That's probably as good as it's got, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> the voice in my head said we only play for forty-five minutes, and we've just done it. So, we, could, we you know, I said on the way back, like I think the caption for this is uh, kind of arguably the first, the best first half of the season, or the, one of the best forty-five minutes of football in the first half, and one of the one of the worst of the season in the second half. The facts of the matter are, you still lose the first half one nil. Just for all these chances you make, you still don't score. So, you know, you don't get half a point for playing well, but still losing. So. Can you really take any kind of joy from the fact that we created seven chances way more than Spurs? We conceded two minutes in. And it was you know, I think we said after after Wolves, maybe I think we've won one game from behind and maybe drew one, and the rest if we go behind we lose. And you think, well, Spurs are chasing top four, Arsenal have just lost earlier in the day. They need a win, they'll be cruising through. And to be fair to Villa, after we lost that that's you know, that, that thirty minute spell in the second half, like you just said, probably was our best our best bit of football for a while. And then you absolutely collapse in the second half. I don't. I don't it, understand though, how that happens. What is it? Is this a theme of Gerard's management? The forty-five minute performances. You know, is he? Is he just He's trying to do it for ages? Yeah, but you know, where, where's it? Where's it come from? Is he trying to try to get us to all summon up the spirit of Istanbul in forty-five minutes? <laughs> um, because you know that 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 to me is one hundred percent on him to to sort out. Because you know, if players can play that well and with that intensity for a section of a match it means that you've got some quality in there mm, yeah, yeah. You know, there's people on the radio on the way back saying oh, the players aren't good enough this that they need to go this needs to go they said well for 30-35 minutes the first half we're, we're going we're, we're the better team by far in that game I thought I thought we well we created way more chances we were, we were by far the best team there's no debate about that Second half, you should be going into half time thinking, right, yeah, I know we're one nil down. It's an early goal, but we've we've recovered well, we've made good chances. Hugo Lloris, to be fair to him, has made a couple of great saves. Let's really take this now. We're attacking the whole end, we've got the fans behind us, you know, that atmosphere of I think I tweeted at half time that it was kind of like an us versus the world mentality of like the ref's decisions going against us and you know the time waste and stuff. It really felt a bit like that Leicester game with, with the the Schmeichel thing that, you know, we're all in this together is, is how it felt to me, the players and the supporters. Then you come out and concede on something forty seventh minute, forty eighth minute or something, and you think, well, okay, game over, two 0 done. I don't know how that happens, and one of one of the things that's supposed to be, you know pro Gerard, and I'm not getting into whether he's the right man and stuff tonight, is his motivation, is his people management and stuff like that, you know, getting them getting them up for it. You know, you can question his tactics and his coaching ability and all those kind of things, but as a man, as a motivator, as a captain in his playing days. Half-time should be his time, his moment to make them come out in the second half and, and go all guns blazing. And like I say, you can see it straight away and you kind of stump in your chair and think, right, OK, well, no no points today. Yeah, likewise before the game as well. You know, that that is his, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in the, in the dressing room, but that is his moment to set out exactly what he wants and expects and demands from his team. Three minutes in the first half, Conceded really, really cheap goal where we just haven't reacted fast enough. Although, against Son's reactions, you know, bang, you know, if that if that chance would have smashed off one of their defenders' faces and have landed to one of our players, they'd have spent three or four touches trying to get it out of their feet and mm. then not been able to work a shot or or try to clip one top corner that would end that would end 
have ended up in the in the whole end. Uh, it is. We've said it before. It's it's how clinical you have to be. That that's that's the one difference. You know, bang, bit of space, bang, goal. Um, I mean, I thought that first goal was. I mean, what I don't want to don't want to gang up on Esri, Esri Conta too much, although I thought he was poor. But what's he trying to do? With that clearance, first of all, because it's almost like, you know, when you've in the olden days, when you'd see a kind of big striker, little striker combination, and the big striker would head it down with a cushioned header, um, you know, for the for your little striker to get a shot away. I think Conza's jumped too early or mistimes his jump. Mistimes it, yeah. He's not been able so he's on his way down by the time he's heading it, not been able to generate any power whatsoever. Bang, Harry Kane has um which I think had a shot that was going well wide, was it? Or was it yeah, going wide before it he, he kind certainly of... Certainly off target. thought it smashed um, Matty Cash in the mush. And then, um, yeah, nobody reacted, did they? Nobody was any, anywhere near as sharp as Son. Uh, and it's a battle. It's hard then, because Spurs have that goal. They don't yeah. need to come out. And I, I thought, like I said, I thought Villa were really good in the way that they... Like, you know, recovered from that and pinned them back and played some really good football. I mean, what chance? Just I've counted about six decent chances. There was Ramsey went through, didn't he, and forced the save at the near post. Coutinho's whipped in a free kick from near the byline, which Larissa saved at the near post. Mm-hmm. Danny Ings has had one where he's completely scuffed it at the back stick. Danny yeah, Ings like has had another one. Effort, didn't he, as well. That again, yeah, like an acrobatic effort, didn't he, yeah, as well? A little dink free kick. He's had that yeah. one. Watkins has headed wide from headed over from six six to eight yards from a, yeah Harry Kane scores that header by the way yeah yeah um, have I missed any more I'm sure there's I think I think it said there were seven saves Luis made in the first half so you've reeled off at least five there. yeah McGinn's um, pinged one that was that was moving swerving think, quite a lot I think Matt I think Cash, Cash had a shot as well, well yeah yeah um, so yeah. there's That's cl- a clinical side is at least two and up at half time. Yeah, and that that's that's the disappointment or two one. So that's the disappointing thing. And yeah, you know, said to my dad yeah, on the way back, Southampton, like, Dan. You know, we we scored. Mind you, saying that we probably scored. Should have scored again nine against Southampton <laughs> when we played them. Um, sorry, what were you saying to your dad? Um, I said, like, can you even take any like, kind of joy or any encouragement from the fact that we played well after we after we went a goal down because. Like I said to you before, you don't get any points for playing nice football or, or you know sticking in it and, and giving it a good go. You you lose the first half one 0 and you go on to lose the, the second half three 0 So for all that we kind of gave it a good go for half an hour and, and made some good chances, if you don't get anything from it, does it really mean anything? See, I I, I, I can't take too much encouragement. Maybe it's because I'm a miserable git. But <laughs> it was to that? me. It was it was crying out for us to change our strikers. And I mean to change our supposed kind of goal scoring centre forward strikers. But this is this is the, this is a frustrating thing for me because change them for who? Ollie I was gonna say, yeah, there's you know yeah, Ollie, Ollie no Watkins, strike on the bench. You know, Danny Ings should be that kind of difference between, you know, he's a proven, proven Premier League goal scorer. So Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing you we were know, saying at the start. You know, he is a finisher, but at the moment, if he was one on one, I don't know. Son's not run like the heart, the the length of the pitch or anything. But he's had time to kind of think what he's about to do. Two, three, four seconds, whatever it might be. If Danning's in that situation, has got that time. I don't think he scores. And he's a clinical, proven striker. Scored twenty goals here, twenty five goals there. 
But in the current mindset that Villa are in, and the performances we're, we're putting in at the moment, I don't think any of our players score that chance when they've they, got that time. They might have done that, but they might have scored one in three of of Son's hat trick goals. They wouldn't have scored all three. Yeah. That's the difference. Um, so yeah, to me, it was. I think I think the second goal stunned Gerard a little bit as well as the team, and I think he was reluctant to make changes too soon, even after that, because he'd seen what Villa had done as a collective in the first half. And he thought, well, can I give that another however long to, to, to manifest itself? And then when it didn't, it just, Villa was stuck in a malaise by then. And third goal, you know, Villa Park was emptying after 62 yeah. minutes or whenever, did, whenever did, that. You stayed till the end, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, I always stayed, stayed till the end. I like to get my money's worth. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, you really well, got your money's worth there, didn't you? I did, yeah, I did. <laughs> um... Yeah, I've run out of steam, mate. I'm just. Uh... Uh, we said we said after Wolves. I think was it me and Ash after Wolves. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think we did twenty minutes, and we said, you know, it's not it's not time for the, the kind of the end of season debrief because the season hasn't ended. Although it does feel like you could just click your fingers and end it now because you know we're going nowhere kind of thing. I don't want to start the conversation about Gerard and the players and recruitment. There's, there's questions saying, you know, what happened with our recruitment? What's happening with the scouting? Will Gerard be here next season? How, many, how much more money do we have to spend, et cetera, et cetera? me doesn't really want to get into that at 20 past nine on a Saturday night, but I also don't want to kind of cop out from, from dip, difficult questions because we are at a stage now where you do have to question what is happening, I think. I think, I, I think somebody said it was is it 11 losses from 21 for Gerard or something like that. Uh, it's another kind of bout of losing. You know, now four in a row. Leicester up next, then Norwich. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think you do have to ask questions. But you know, people saying things like Gerard won't last the season. He, he will. They're not going to sack him I mean, unless, we, unless, unless, unless we lose nine in a row or something stupid. They're not going to sack him now. I don't even think they'll sack him in the summer. It's going to be another another window I spending. I don't think they necessarily should. No, no. You know, they bought into this project with with this this new bloke. I think thing is for me, and I'll probably at risk repeat myself. So I've said this before on podcasts. I'm sure I am. But Gerard's a man in a hurry, and he needs Aston Villa to be competing for European places and to be bagging a European place next season. I think. Yeah, I agree. You know, second guessing what he imagines his career tra- trajectory to be. So. In his mind, for that to happen, and he's a driven man, he's a driven man who, with the exception of a, of a Premier League title, which we know eluded him, has been able to pretty much get, oh, sorry, exception, exception of a Premier League title and <laughs> an international trophy with his country, which eluded him, has been able to get pretty much what he's wanted out of his football career so far. So he's used to getting what he wants. So if you're Stephen Gerrard and you think... And I'm second guessing, so he might think, you know, he might be listening to this in the in his manager's room at Villa Park at the moment. Thinking Matt is speaking out. He might be, you never know. Thinking Matt, you're speaking absolute, absolute crap. And he'd be right. Um, but how's he gonna get there? If that is the if that is the aim, you know, Europe within the next year, 18 months, two seasons, how is he gonna get there quicker? Is he gonna get there quicker by having a spending spree? with rich owners who want to share those ambitions and who want to get there as quickly as well? Or is he going to coach what he's got? I think coach, it has to know, be a, it has to be a bit of both. both. It's got to be both. It's got to yeah. be both. But to me, 
he's got to get more out of. Uh, listen, I think they'll back him and back him. You know, we'll spend over hundred million. We'll spend yeah. over hundred million again. Yeah. So it's another season spending so loads of they'll, money. They'll, they'll back him massively, but for me, it's and they will back him massively regardless. But it would be nice if we got a little bit more encouragement in terms of he can get a tune out of the squad he's got and not just over 30 minutes or not just when we, we've fallen behind it in the first 10 minutes, but from kickoff, he can get that mm-hmm. intensity that's full pelt from kickoff till half time, have their half time oranges. Um, and then second half can get that, that intensity again. And if we could see that and we lose to, to a Tottenham team or an Arsenal team who are going to go in for Champions League football, or we lose to a Liverpool team or a Manchester City team towards the end of the season that are, they're gunning for the, the title. That's fine. But to do it with such bitty patchwork ad hoc, one minute we're sublime, one minute we're ridiculous, that to me doesn't show that that this plan is formulating as fast as he needs it to and we would like it to. Do you think it's fair, the kind of questioning or, or the criticism that he's getting, that Kapartman feels like when he first came and he's kind of this straight-talking manager, says what he wants in post-match interviews, kind of says it how, it is, how it is, very honest, almost doesn't throw his players under the bus, but effectively we'll say, you know, if they're not good enough, we'll replace them and, and things yeah. like that. Part of me kind of thinks there's only so much kind of goodwill that will get you being straight-talking and saying it how it is. Because it's kind of copy and paste every, every week, isn't it? Uh, it's on me. I've got to fix it. So like, yeah, all right, Stevie, we heard that, think, heard that last week. Might like give us some evidence of it. Is that fair? But I think if you if you're saying that, if you're saying you know, um, he wouldn't say it quite as blunt as this, but you know, players in this squad are dispensable, and I can I can move them on, and we will move them on. If you're saying that, that's already sending out a message to you, you the to your players. And they can receive that whichever way they want to. They think, well, okay, this is not for me. Or they can say, well, okay, I'm going to rise to the challenge. But if you're saying that, don't actions speak speak louder than words. Don't you, you know, if Callum Chambers deserve that shirt, why don't you don't you keep him in there? Or don't you drop Esri Conson when he's returned and, and put Callum in? You know, when, when your midfielders are, are having patchy performances and whether it's Louise or McGinn or even Coutinho... Don't you leave them out and bring in, you know, your your Morgan Sanson or your, you know, Buendia for for Coutinho or or whatever it might be. So it's all very well saying, you know, I won't tolerate this and, you know, people need to be with me. We want to go places quickly. But he's got the opportunity to actually show that and to live that at the moment by making changes when when performance is substandard. Uh, I don't know where that leaves us for the next match? Because does he judge his team selection for the next game based on 40 minutes of the first half or 45 minutes of the second half? I mean, obviously, Lucas Dean's become the um, Aston Villa's Darren Anderton. Um, I mean, Luca Dean, he must be the most unluckiest footballer going at the moment. We're signing, what, 25 million? You know, supposedly supposed to be better than Matt Target, which in itself is, is a, a debate amongst fans whether he actually is any better than him or not. I personally think he is, but it's not a, it's not a bigger difference as I would have hoped it would have been for twenty five million. And then he does his hamstring, I think, in one game, but he's fit enough to play for France the next week, which kind of irks me a little bit. Then he plays about ten minutes against Wolves and's got a bit of an upset stomach and has to go off, which again can't help being ill, but 
irks me a little bit. And then today he ends up going off in a sling and might be out for the season because he's done something to his collarbone and you kind of think, there's 25 million down the drain then. Yeah, you can... And no, that's just bad luck. I know it's bad luck. The fella, can you know our bodies all it's annoying. It's annoying, at times. It is, it is <laughs> annoying. It is annoying. Um, but I mean, I suppose that's that's. I mean, the last three games in a row now. He's been he's, he's not finished. He's been subbed in three games in a row. Two of them only finished in about fifteen minutes. Yeah, but I don't know what we're supposed to do about what we're supposed to do about no. wrapping up in wrapping up in no. bubble wrap or what? I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Just making the point, just airing my thoughts. Um, well done. Strikers, strikers as well. I mean, I'm not saying that Keenan Davis and Cameron Archer are the, are the answer because they're playing the championship, but they both score today. And you look to our bench and think, well, we don't even have a striker. Um, and what yeah, can I mean, I, in the business? You'd have to, regardless of them both tearing up the championship at the moment, it, it's a big, it's a big Davis, leap. Davis, Davis won't be. It's a big involved. leap to say that they should be starting in the Premier League and we can all be wise after the event because if they hadn't mm. gone out on those loan spells, we probably wouldn't be clamouring for them to yeah, come off the bench too much. So it's it, it's one of those ones, but I do think... It's, it's always the player that's not involved that seems to be the answer, isn't it? That's how it tends to be. Yeah, that's, uh, you know. that's life though, is We always look for kind of solutions where, you know, like you said, people. It's always the best. That's always the best player in the squad at any given time. The one who's not, yeah. the one who's not in the team, isn't it? Um, I don't, Keenan Davis. I don't think will will be a Villa player come the summer. But Cameron Archer comes back, and there'll be there'll be periods where I don't know what the, the numbers are. Danny Ings scored five maybe this season in the league, something like that. I think Watkins was on seven, and he was on five maybe, yeah. something like that. Anyway, if you give Cameron Archer the same minutes that Danny Ings has got, would he have scored five goals in the Premier League? I feel like that doesn't seem a silly statement to make. But how do we know? <laughs> there's going to be those times where you would think Archer off the bench here is a good option. Whereas you look at it today and think the strikers aren't finishing. Who have we got? Leon Bailey playing as the second second striker. That doesn't work. So that's, that's the, the issue sometimes of um, playing, trying to force both your centre forwards in at the same time. If they both have a, <laughs> yeah. a stinker, who are you going to? Who are you going to? How are you going to change it? Um, and yeah, like I said, that I think did they score their fourth goal within five minutes of our subs? Yeah, I on? think so. Um, I, I kind of look thought, at the bench. Sorry, go on, you talk. I'll, I'll just keep putting it. No, all I was going to say was I actually thought, in terms of control of a game, I think Arsenal. I think Arsenal dominated us a little bit more. You know, I don't know about dominated us, but I thought Arsenal controlled the game a little bit more than, than Spurs. But Spurs were just so bang, bang, bang clinical. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is, I'm, I'm, I don't really need to dwell on which which of the North London teams <laughs> yeah. owned us more than the other anyway. I, mean, I think Spurs had five chances or something to score scored four or six yeah. and four or whatever. And we have seven in the first half alone and don't score a single goal. Um but you kind of look at the bench and think, oh, it's a strong bench there. Morgan Sanson, Champions League experience. Leon Bailey, 25, 30 million. Buendia, club record signing. Uh, even Traore is a kind of flair option to come off and, and maybe do something you know, from out of nowhere. Um, Chutwamaker, this exciting youth prospect. And then they come on and you think, well, Bailey doesn't really do a lot. Buendia hasn't really done a lot. That's 70 odd million we've spent. So as much as it's easy to say Gerald will, will you know, get get back in and bring in his own people, 
the recruitment has to be spot on this summer. Because if there is an overhaul of players and there's you know, three or four new starters come in, they've got to hit the ground running because people will be judging Gerard drastically at the beginning of next season. Because if we spend another hundred million and we're in the bottom six come November or something, when are they going to pull the trigger and say, all right, this isn't working? I think we're a long way off that, to be honest. But I think... Well, and that is me, the fear, though, when you've just lost 4-0. Yeah, know? but the thing, the thing is, to me, it's, it's... Where does the kind of... Where does the recruitment start and the coaching stop? And, you know, Bailey, to me, yeah, you know, he, he worries me. I was expecting a, a great deal more from him. Buendia, we've we've seen glimpses of. Danny Ings, I don't know. Were, were any of us really that that frustrated and upset when we signed signed Danny Ings? You know, a, a proven proven Premier League goal scorer. So, does that mean the recruitment is the, was the recruitment bad in signing Danny Ings, or have we just failed to make the most of <laughs> him? Some will argue yes, <laughs> spending that much money on a, on a, a player with no resale value and things like that, but. We all said Watkins and Ings could get 30 goals this season and they're on 13 or 14. So, yeah, they have got to be coached better and it has been a weird season, sacking your manager. And, you know, we've said all along, haven't we, it's frustrating as hell to, to win two, lose three, win two, lose five, whatever whatever run you go on. But that is what a middling club does. They, they win a few and lose a few and they finish on 45, 50-odd points. And that's probably what we'll end up going on to do. So I kind of get, I mean, there's a lot of factors that... that add up to being, this being a pretty rubbish season all around and, and you can say recruitment the money spent tactics managerial changes whatever it is I still think we should have had better than, than what we have got out of these and that is a coaching thing I guess because as we've said it's easy for, for Gerard to go and say oh, well I've got, got my guys in now and I've spent this amount but still I'll get better out of the players that are there yeah I mean the thing, thing that I find Remarkable. Um, I'm not saying I want us to do more of it because you don't get many points for them, but we just don't do draws, do we? Yeah. We either win no. or we lose. I mean, 17 defeats now. You, mm, you reckon how many, how many under Gerard? 11, did you say? I think I think I saw it on Twitter, so I don't know if it's true. I think they said 11. 11 in, in 22 games or something like that. Well, what would he, Smith was sacked after 10, wasn't he? I think and we've played 31. So Gerard's had 21 games and lost. 11, I think. And probably what must have won, won eight or something. It doesn't even feel like we've won that many. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not good enough, though, is it? I think it probably, like I said, it's not good enough for a team with ambitions of being in Europe. Of oh, yeah. I mean, Europe sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Even, even for next yeah, season. No, I what think. I was going to say is it's not good enough for next season's aim of finishing in Europe, we could probably say that at the start of this season, this season's aim was finishing in Europe or, or, or getting a bit closer to it. I actually think given the kind of rhythms of the season and the peaks and troughs of the season, the changes, like I said before, I think it's about standard for where we should be. Um, but it, it, the biggest thing for me is it, it's sustaining a performance Mm. over 90 minutes. It's just this kind of ragged... I was going to say not knowing what you're going to get, but we pretty much do know what we're going to get. We're going to concede early. We're going to rally briefly. <laughs> and on occasions, it'll be enough for us to win. And then we've won, when we've won, that'll 
give us a kickstart of confidence to, to win another couple. But on the occasions when it doesn't it doesn't work and we fall short, the confidence confidence goes and we get stuck in a rut. Um, mm. I think it's to me whether we finish twelfth, fourteenth, tenth, whatever at the end of the season doesn't really matter as much as it perhaps does to some. We always said we wanted to, you know, move above the bar that we set last season. I don't think we. I, don't think well, I mean, points-wise, it's almost mathematical that we, we can't, can't beat last season. We can't do that anyway. So we're not going to we're not going to eclipse what we did last season. So for me, what we can do in how many games we've got left? Five games? Or is it... I, was, I was just about to read them out. We've got Leicester, Norwich, Burnley, Liverpool, Crystal Palace, Burnley yeah. again, uh, Man City. So seven games left. So 21 points on offer. We're on 36 now, are we, I think? Yeah. Is that right? So, so we, uh, at the moment, we can, if we win every game, we can get more points than last season. Yeah, um, well, that's not, not happened. If you, I mean, it would be nice. You know, it always just looks nice if you're in the top half, just kind of sneak 10th. But like you said, finishing 12th, 13th, whatever, it's, it is whatever. But I think you got Leicester away, which isn't easy, but isn't by no means impossible. Norwich at home, must win. Um Burnley at home must win. Do you know what I mean? No, not must. No, must not must win in terms of the league position or anything. But what you want to lose tonight at home? I don't want to lose to anybody at home, mate, or away. But it's to, well, to me. Must win, then. <laughs> <laughs> but do you want to draw then? You, that's what I mean. If you're not happy well, to no, draw, what loss, mean, you what, must win. What must win means to me that you can't can't possibly countenance the idea of not winning because hell, you know, it'll be the end of the world as we know it. Well, in the context of losing to Dean Smith of Villa Park, or uh, Dean Smith of Norwich City, or bottom of the Premier League, no, destined I, to go down. No, I, I just think we define must win in a different way. I'm not. I'm not saying that I want to lose any of the games, but if you say, "Do you want to lose?" No, therefore it must win. I don't want to lose any week, so therefore every game is must win. So I'm saying <laughs> that we have to have levels of must winness. Okay, uh, don't get mardy with me. Uh, <laughs> Lost four nil. I'm not happy. All right, seven games. Then how many points are we going to get? Oh, and what would you care. What would you be happy with? Oh, what do you mean you don't care? As long as we don't get down, I'm less bothered about how many points we get than just actually showing some complete performances and and you okay. know giving us giving us encouragement, letting letting us know and the manager know clearly which of those I don't know how many players he got in his first team squad. Twenty odd, twenty five. Yeah. Um, Something like that. Which of which of those players deserve to be along for the ride going forward? So, I would like to see a little bit more of Sanson. I would probably like to see a little bit more of of Chambers if if concerts creaking. Uh, I do think that although Coutinho was was really good um, during you know pulling the strings during the the half an hour of of, of positives today, I do think you know Buendia. It's probably been the full guy who probably probably deserves a few more starts, not based on his contribution as a substitute today, particularly. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to get twenty one points from it, but failing that, um, let's just see see some kind of some ninety minute performances because at the moment it's I don't know it just it seems seem to have the stuffing knocked out of us before we can even even get going. And mm. I was going to have my usual moan about the. Um, about the crowd again, uh, you know, I blame myself as well because I'm part of it. But you know, when some of the tackles were flying in during that first half, I thought you know there was a little bit, you know, the atmosphere got going a little bit, and I was glad that Villa, I'm glad glad that the team got applauded off uh, half time in in response to their their efforts. But 
I don't know. It's it's, it's always kind of is it on them to raise our performance? Both, I think. Is it? And I think that that goal at the start of the second half. I don't know. I think I think we've we've trod that path so many times, and we know how this plays out. That it was hard for us to. We knew once that second goal would have gone in, that it was probably effectively game over. So it was mm. hard for us to kind of rally the troops ourselves. And I just felt it all kind of fell flat from that moment. Yeah. Um, I think at least nine points from those seven games: Norwich, Burnley, and Palace, all three at home. And then if you can get anything away at Burnley, away at Leicester, that'd be nice. Obviously, same for Liverpool and Man City, but you can pretty much write them off at, at least nine points. That puts you 45, I think. Yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Um, I wanted to move away from Spurs and just ask a couple of, of generic Villa questions that I noted down earlier that I wanted to quickly pop in. And then it's getting on a bit, so we'll kind of rattle through. These are used as plugs for other stuff. Um, I asked something on social media earlier today about the greatest or most important goal in Aston Villa's history and whether you had an answer for that. I'll explain why I'm asking this in a sec. Well, you, you know, the obvious one is going is to be um, when our mate Peter With um, very clearly didn't use his shin, as he's told us recently, uh, <laughs> and actually made full contact. You know, that that is... That I think it was a volley from 30 yards, he said. <laughs> that is Aston Villa's history, or certain, certainly Villa's modern-day history, if you can consider 40 years <laughs> modern-day Um I don't know. There's been there's been moments, hasn't there? You know, you could say, you know, John McGinn's towering header at Wembley proved to be the the, the winner that, that mm. got us back into the Premier League. Uh, so I know you asked the question, and uh, people were saying Tom Kearney's goal for Fulham was the most important because <laughs> it meant that that Tony Jarre was out the club. Um, That's the kind of answers I was looking for. So obviously, we've done a podcast with Peter with, and I wanted to title it. Something like what you know, what it's like to score Villa's most important goal. And I thought I don't want to put that as the title, and then people go, "Oh no, it's just, that is it." So I thought I'll ask that and kind of get some answers. And everyone was like, "Obviously, Peter, with why is this even being asked? What a stupid question!" So that kind of alleviated my worries of, of titling the podcast that. But then there was these kind of not jokey answers, but less obvious answers. I think somebody said Trezeguet's goal against Arsenal in lockdown that kind of gave us the, the hope to stay up, which I thought was a, an interesting answer. Um, Savo Milosevic's screamer in 96 here uh, is a comment Tony Daly all day long says Matthew but doesn't mention which goal specifically so one of Tony Daly's um, yes I thought I'd ask you the same question see if you had a, an alternative answer to to the obvious question no <laughs> okay cool uh, <laughs> thanks for ruining that segment um, I've got another little mini segment for you that I wanted to ask Um Again, you're probably going to ruin this, so we might as well just end it here. I saw a little a, a thread on Twitter this morning of, do, do you know what it means to be cancelled? Do you know what that phrase yeah, means? Yeah, I've seen the, well, you know, okay. I'm not going to be anymore. No, well, to be cancelled is to have a, to, you know, to say something and everyone goes, yeah, well, this guy can no longer. Yet, have I? No, I don't think, I mean, yeah, we've got this far without it. No, we've got, we've got this far. Um, so it was, what would be your, what, what what Villa opinion do you hold that would get you cancelled was the question that was doing the rounds on Twitter this morning. So this I wondered whether we... This another way of unpopular opinions, isn't it? Unpopular opinion, yeah, effectively. And we have Just done the podcast really in, this, it, aren't you? <laughs> in lockdown. So if you want to go and watch that, you can. But I wanted to... Can uh, I say the same one? Well, I've got the same one, but I have got two. But I wanted to see if you've got an opinion that you fear you would be cancelled over if you said it out loud. And we're now going to say it to a couple of thousand people. It's the it's the it's the one that I said last time, which was a lay a lay a lay is an overrated chant. Um, 
and it needs some needs some friends alongside it. I think it, it it's too lazy and easy for us to sing that, and we don't have enough inventive chants. So I know you know it's obviously quite a popular chant with the um, with the the Villa fans. <laughs> we've we've used it for a promotional campaign <laughs> yeah. uh, recently, so I better not uh, I better not talk it down too much. But uh, go on, share share one of yours a bit. I'll, I'll dream well, up another one in a minute. I was going to say I want like a football based you know match you know match player related yeah. something like that. So I'll give you some time to think. But a couple of comments agree with you. I lay shout. So that's interesting. My one again. I'm going to use. I've got two. I'll come back to my second one. I use the same one I used last time. The round badge. I think it's rubbish. Well, not rubbish. That's probably a bit, a bit harsh because we have done a lot of 1982 stuff at the moment and the more I see it, like when they're holding the photos of the trophy and that white kit with the badge on it is nice. But to word it differently, I, I think it's overrated. I think people think too fondly of the round badge. I think from a design point of view, it's actually not that nice. I don't think the colours are quite right. I think in the modern day when things are printed on stuff, I don't think the round badge works whereas it's kind of revered as like the holy grail of Aston Villa badges, rightly so because it won the European Cup. Well, the badge didn't win the European Cup. That'd be weird. But it was when we won the European Cup in the league, that was the badge we were we were wearing. So I understand its importance. But I think people kind of go, bring back the round badge for, for next season and stuff like that. You can't do these polls and stuff on Twitter. I was like, oh, no, not for me. So I think the round badge is overrated. And now I'm worried that that, um, that opinion will get us cancelled. Have you got a match a match player-related one or anything like that? I've got a match player-related one. It's, it's harking back a little while. And I don't know whether for, I don't know if I should say this because people will turn on me, but I'll, I'll have a go anyway. You know, when Dan Dublin nutted Robbie Savage, <laughs> yeah, in you know, I don't remember time, it because I was too young, but I've seen it many yeah, times. Yeah, it's a time when when Blues had, had, had come come up into the Premier League and were kind of you know horrible little upstarts from across the city and that kind of thing. I just you know, and people are like, oh yeah, well, well done, Dion sticking the nut on on Savage and. And that kind of thing. And listen, I'm not a, a, a big Robbie Savage fan. Uh, and I am a big Dion Dublin fan, but it just didn't... I don't know. I, I might be a prude here, but it just didn't didn't sit right for me. It was a horrible night inside Villa Park that night. And it was around Villa Park. It could have gone off or it felt like it was going to go off at any time. And this might people might think, Matt, stop being a boring old man. But it was just... I thought it didn't it didn't strike the right tone for me. You know, yeah, I'd rather you know, I'd rather Villa. I don't know. It sounds horrible. Kind of occupy the moral high ground. Like when when Jack Grealish was clocked clock around the head, and Villa won that game, and good conquered evil by Jack scoring the winning goal and doing it in a legitimate way. I like Aston Villa to to win. In a classier way, and that—that's not me digging out down Dublin. I had the pleasure. I think you've got some footage somewhere, but I had the pleasure of playing a, a, a yeah. kick around with him at Bodymore Heath a few years back, and he was absolutely top class. You know, really, really lovely fella. Um, and you know, there's the stairs leading up to bedrooms and, and all, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But it was just, you know, glorifying that moment just didn't didn't sit mm, right. Yeah. And people probably think I'm being, like I said, I'm being a little bit of, of an, an old man or an old woman. By saying that, would you say the same thing about the Steve Bruce thing with the cabbage? <laughs> it's a really kind of an act of like you know. I mean, that was a criminal offence, wasn't it? I think the guy who was involved that was arrested or caught never, or whatever. I don't know whether he was arrested, was it? But I never saw the the velocity at which that cabbage was 
Does that matter? Bold. Is that important? Bold. Well, if it's bold along the floor, like a crown green bowls, <laughs> then uh, I'm, I'm if it's not an underarm so... vegetable, you're okay with it. If it's an, yeah, if it's an if, overarm you know, bowling, not so much. Somebody shoot, you know them things that serve tennis balls at you? If it's been yeah. fired at you like that, at head height, I'm not, I think that, I think that is, you know, it's, it's borderline assault. It's been bowled along, along the floor. Um, I think it's pathetic. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's some grown man going to the effort of, you know, buying a cabbage, going to the, going to the salad counter at, at, at Tesco over the road is absolutely ridiculous. I actually think as a whatever symbol or token of what Villa was as, you know, and, and what the Steve Bruce reign was then, it doesn't offend me that much. Um, you know, we've spoken about this before as well. It was just the most bizarre night reporting on it, saying, yeah. right, like our photographer phoned us and saying, right, someone just wanged a cabbage at Steve Bruce. And we're like, okay, well... Have you, is there any photographic evidence? Yes, I've got this picture of a cabbage. And then his Wi-Fi wasn't working, and we couldn't run with a cabbage story until we got proof of it. And then this cabbage picture arrives, and it's like a cabbage so inside their eyes. Um, so I'm not I'm not as offended by the cabbage as I am of the the headbutt. I think the headbutt was a more violent act than what Without I doubt, assume. Yeah. What I assume was, you know, what I'm saying is I think. Dropping a nut, not dropping a nut on someone's Swede is more offensive than rolling a cabbage across the floor. That's good. That's good. Didn't we ask an interview person, uh, someone we yeah, interviewed Karen, about the cabbage yeah, thing? Karen Fletcher about it, didn't we? And he uh, kind of told that us that. Yeah. Yeah. I knew there was somebody, I can't remember who it was. Yeah. He didn't take too calling to that, which, yeah, fair enough. Um, somebody says we are rambling now, and we are, but I wanted to move away from the, the, the negativeness of the Spurs thing. Negativeness. Um, yeah. Then. Negativity, yeah, it's like my unpopular opinion that I feel I'm going to get cancelled. Actually, to the extent I'm almost tempted just to say it and end the broadcast because I'm a little bit more worried about this one. Current day, Villa things are happening now. I'm trying to word this in a clever way. I think, I think this season alone, Toramings has been the better player out of the two centre backs. And I, if you if you had to if the, if one was to be sold this summer, I think it would be Conza, not Mings that left. Now, I'm not saying that Conza's a bad player because he isn't, but this season he's not been anywhere near as good as he was last year. He's had a couple of red cards. He's probably worth more out of the two. So if you're kind of clearing out and saying we need a new centre back, we've got to get rid of one. I think Conza would be the man to get the bullet out of the two. I think Mings has been the. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, people are now going to think that I think Mings is this saint-like figure who plays 10 out of 10 every week, and that also isn't the case. I just think that this season, I think Mings has been the better of the two. That is probably a quite an unpopular opinion, I would suggest. I mean, if anyone agrees with me, I'd be actually shocked. Do you agree or do you disagree? I think they've both been equal. <laughs> if Ch- Okay, example here, Chambers needs to start the next, Ch- Chambers needs to start the next game. If Chambers was to come in next game, who would be for? If <laughs> yeah. So that does that not proof that he's the worst performer out of the two? Oh mate, don't ten to ten to ten. <laughs> can I just give you one more fun and popular opinion and then we can go? Go on then. And I didn't realise this until I stopped at the petrol station on the way back from Villa Park today. 
nice and spicy knickknacks are really, really tasty, aren't they? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've not, not had any for yonks for absolute That's ages. Good. And I saw them and I thought, I can't even remember what these taste like. And I was I was well chuffed with them. I don't know whether I don't know whether that's 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 the right thing to say. I don't know whether they're a bit niche for people or no, knickknacks are good. They're still like scampi and lemon ones or Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do. There's three flavours, isn't there like barbecue or something as well? I don't know. Uh, one final thing, and then we'll go. I promise. Quickly, um, just while we're on the crisps, because I think you're going to change topic. What's your favourite flavour of Monster Munch? Um, pickled onion. Hmm. Roast beef, beef, I think, is the best. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you look like a roast beef, man. Do I? Good. Yeah. You look like a pickled onion, man. <laughs> I look like a pickled onion. Um, <laughs> no, all I want to do is give a shout out to Colin at Kidderminster Athletic. I was, I was watching my girls' football match today, and my daughter, she didn't play, she got a bad neck. Um, but her team were playing away at Kidderminster Athletic. And what a, what a lightweight, your daughter, all that money spent, wasted. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this fellow wandered over to me and he noticed my Villa bubble hat and pointed at me and said, are you Matt Kendrick? I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, I had a good chat with him and uh, he runs, he, he's, I think he's the chairman of the of the Kidderminster Athletic Football Club. Um and he's a lovely Villa fan, home and away every week. So, um, yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you, Colin. And uh, also in Kidderminster, Dan, because I know it's close to your heart, was there an armed robbery today at Matalan? <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's not funny. Yeah, there was, yeah. I, um, pottering well, around the house People have probably been charged, and, you know, we've all been on our lawn. Oh, courses, yeah. So we don't, we can and can't well, say, but I was at home, and there was, there was helicopters whirring around above, and we're like, ooh, yeah, what's going on here? There was actually a drugs raid on our street not long ago. Actually, probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, down Matterland, two armed robbers. Uh, I think they'd been arrested. It was like 8.30 in the morning. I was kind of thinking, is there even any money in Matterland's tills at 8.30 on a Saturday morning? But, yeah, they kind of blocked off all the roads, and you couldn't even walk down there or anything. So, yeah, scenes in Kidderminster. Hopefully no one was hurt and all the serious kind of stuff that comes with this, but mm-hmm. yeah. Controversy at Weaver's Wharf. Um well, <laughs> yes, that's me that's me done. <laughs> the last ten minutes of this podcast have been so niche specifically to our lives that no one will care about this, but yeah, this is the, the mood we're in. This is the post match debrief where we kind of share our immediate thoughts after the game and this is the, the garden path we've gone down. So Thank you very much for watching, as always, this 50-minute uh, chat now on Aston Villa and all things crisps. Uh, thanks for your input and comments, as always. Matthew, Matthew, thanks for your kind talk. Thanks for your time, as always. You're more than welcome. And, and to our friends in Cornwall, either who have driven all yeah. the way to Villa Park and back today to watch that second-half performance, or the ones who are tuning in from uh, from afar, God bless you. <laughs> We've got an interview with Peter with coming out on uh, Thursday or Wednesday, uh, so stay tuned for that. It is a good watch. Uh, Matt, thanks for your time as always. We'll be back with nothing next week because we're done play, so stay tuned for the Peter with chat instead. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you again at some point. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.